Baby. And a young man speaks out for conservative women. Woody Williams, a World War II American hero, and Stacey Davis celebrates cars, guitars, and veterans. Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. And I'm your announcer, Rick Roberts. And now, here's Mike Huckabee. Thank you very much. Great to have you all here. Now, I love politics, but frankly, I was more than ready for the election to be over on Tuesday night. I mean, who knew that we'd go into the weekend in good old Broward County, Florida, home of the hanging chads, are still not just counting votes, they're still looking for votes. Oh, it's been a week filled with big news, elections, recounts, protests over the results, lawsuits filed, candidates taking back their concession speeches, and now saying they won when before they thought they lost, Plus, we've got the firing of Attorney General Jeff Sessions, wildfires raging in California, displacing tens of thousands of people, including many celebrities who have multi-million dollar homes and are finding out that they are not immune from a wildfire. Well, there was another horrific mass shooting. This time it was in Thousand Oaks, California. A former Marine entered the borderline nightclub and murdered 12 innocent people, including a heroic deputy, Sergeant Ron Helis, who selflessly rushed into the room to stop the shooter. And if that wasn't enough, Fox News Channel host Tucker Carlson's home was attacked by a mob of thugs who terrorized his wife, who was home alone, when this group of thugs banged on his door, cracking it, and then screaming vulgarities and threats against him. After Florida governor, uh, declared the winner over incumbent Senator Bill Nelson, and Rick Scott gave his victory speech, good old Broward County started finding more ballots. And though Ron DeSantis was declared the winner in the governor's race over the far-left Democrat Andrew Gillum, behold, when the votes from Broward County's lost boxes started showing up, Gillum rescinded his concession, and he put the two big Florida races into utter turmoil. So just when we thought we'd never have hanging chads again, we are back to Broward and the ballots that just keep on coming and coming and coming. Now, for two years, we've heard that Russians interfered with the 2016 elections. It appears we need to be worried about incompetent Broward County, Florida election officials interfering with the elections. Bay County, Florida, in the panhandle, busted by a Cat 4 hurricane less than a month before the elections. And yet, they were able to get all of their ballots counted on time, and they didn't lose a one of them. Broward County might learn something from them. When in Washington, Attorney General Jeff Sessions was fired, that was no big surprise. But here's the surprise. The Democrats who refused to vote for his confirmation and who even called him a racist suddenly were horrified that he was fired. That's right. The same ones who couldn't even confirm him two years ago now thought he was the greatest living thing to the law since Moses came down from Mount Sinai. And at the White House this week, CNN showboat Jim Acosta forgot that he wasn't the only reporter attending President Trump's 90-minute press conference in which the president answered 68 questions from 35 different reporters. But getting the microphone from him was harder than getting a parking place from Alec Baldwin. The president called him rude, Acosta had his press pass taken away, and the rest of the press corps pretended that they actually stood by his selfish behavior. Truth be told, they don't like the guy because his grandstanding only takes time away from them to get to ask their own questions. So, vote counting continues, fires blaze in California threatening property and people, and there are folks who have taken to the streets to scream and terrorize neighborhoods for reasons that make little sense. I could only pray that those who scream would get on their knees and pray for the victims of the shooting in California, or maybe would just be competent enough in math that they could lend a hand in counting votes 
in Broward County, Florida. No moss grows under the shoes of my first guest tonight. She's a recognized national authority on cultural children's and women's issues. She also happens to be the CEO and president of the nation's largest public policy women's organization, Concerned Women for America. Please welcome Penny Young Nance. Penny, I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you for joining us. Oh, it's such an honor to be here with you, Governor. Thank you so much for inviting me. Let's talk about why is it that if a woman is conservative, the media pretends that she doesn't even exist? You know, you are right on about that. And we certainly at Concerned Women for America experienced that, um, you know, particularly recently during the Kavanaugh hearings. Concerned Women for America supported Justice Kavanaugh. We had a rally of 500 women on Capitol Hill in favor for him, of him. I bet you didn't hear about that very did much, did you? Did not hear about it, no. Um, I can tell you the mainstream media went out of their way to ignore us. We had at different times a couple of hundred women over going from office to office on the Senate in support of him. And literally, we had members of the media turn their back and tell, tell us that they were not here to cover our side. We love our families. We love our children. Um, we support life. We support religious freedom. And we don't build into that all women are leftist narrative and you don't like it. We are the opposite. We're the counterpoint to the women's march and that's a threat to them. The truth was, because I know that one of the messages you had, women are not only uh, concerned about their daughters, they're concerned about their sons, their husbands, their brothers. Right. Um, and that was sort of missed by the liberals. They, they just assumed that all women would believe all women and would believe all men were liars. And you guys were saying, well, if I believe that, then I would put my sons, my brothers, my husband at risk of losing everything because of an accusation that had not gone through due process and being proven. Well, that's 100% correct. You know, unfortunately, I can speak to this as a, a card-carrying member, sadly, of the Me Too movement, Governor. You probably don't even know this about me. Um, when I was expecting my first child, I was attacked by a stranger out on a running path in Northern Virginia. And a woman, a complete stranger, came to my aid and rescued and stopped me from being raped. But he was convicted of an attempted rape. And I was physically assaulted by him. And so I have my own story. And many of us do. In fact, uh, going around the country at sort of this cultural moment, I have heard the stories of women. And they are heartbreaking and they're horrific. And we believe women and we want to listen to women. But we also believe in the rule of law. And we also believe that there has to be corroboration. And we recognize that we are all broken. Men and women are broken. And you don't get extra morality just because you're born a woman. And so we do not believe that just because there is two words, she said that suddenly someone is convicted in the court of public opinion. There has to be proof. And we knew all along that this was the case of um, the, the, the woman that mattered the most in the case of Brett Kavanaugh's name was uh, Jane Roe. And we knew that there was going to be a, a lot of uh, acrimony around his nomination, but we didn't expect this level. Um, and when we looked at what happened and understood that there was no corroboration after six FBI investigations, and then after the seventh FBI investigation, which if you talk to people who read it, and I have, um, did more to explain that, you know, he was innocent, we had to support him. And by the way, it was more than just, as you said, about Brett Kavanaugh. It's about the fact that there, we, we have to have a world in which uh, people's stories are corroborated, where there's a rule of law, and we have daughters and we have sons, and we want there to be uh, justice, justice in this country. You know, Penny, women also lead the pro-life movement. It's not about a bunch of men trying to impose their will upon women. Women and Concerned Women of America are a, or is a leading organization in that way. Mm -hmm. What is it the media misses about why women, so many of them, are pro-life? 
We understand this issue because we are the bringers of life. We are the women who produce children, and we understand um, the importance of life in the womb. And when you look at the data around what we're working for on the federal level, the 20-week ban going into the, the fifth month, going to the sixth month of gestation, when a baby in the womb has all of her major organs, has fingernails and eyebrows, can hear and respond to her mother's voice, and can feel pain, she's a member of our human family and deserves to have her civil rights protected. They are, the vast majority of women understand that message because we are the givers of life. And again, as we've talked about before, the mainstream media does not want to talk about this, but they're much more in line with us than the other side. Well, I'm grateful, Penny, for your voice and that of millions of other women, uh, so many of whom are a part of Concerned Women of America. Let me say that if you want to join with half a million other women committed to excellence in our government, families, and future, you should visit ConcernedWomen.org. It's there on your screen, but one more time, it's ConcernedWomen.org. Very influential, strong organization. You can also follow Penny on social media at PYNance. All right, our good friend comedian Rick Roberts is here tonight. He's going to tell us what we have coming up next on the show. Rick? Coming up, meet two Iwo Jima survivors and hear their incredible stories. Then, Hot Rock creator Stacey David shares his passion for cars, guitars, and veterans. And later, meet Huck's hero, Jerry Hauser, here on Huckabee. You may notice that all of us here on the cast and crew of our show will be wearing these pink carnations. There's a reason for that tonight. You usually see and hear our announcer, Keith Bilbrey, who is a valued and beloved part of our cast and crew. Keith is an iconic figure in Nashville. He served as the announcer for many years for the Grand Ole Opry and for the flagship radio station for the Opry, WSM. He's loved and known by everyone in the country music world and beyond. Well, this week, Keith's son, was killed in a one-car accident during an intense storm in the Nashville area. We're all grieving with Keith and his family. Keith is family to us, and our hearts are broken, and we're just numb from the news. So I hope you'll join all of us here in praying for Keith and his entire family, and know that the pink carnations that we wear are in honor and memory of Keith's wonderful son, Mark. World War II came to an end over 70 years ago. And as the years go by, the stories from that era begin to fade from thought and memory. We do an incredible disservice to ourselves and our children if we forget the heroism of those who left everything to serve and defend our freedom and our country. This Veterans Day, we want to reflect on the lives of two Marines who fought on Iwo Jima and what they went through on that island. And what they went through helped contribute to the success, not only of Iwo Jima, but the war as a whole. I can tell you from uh, the day I went in there that I was gonna die. That was on my mind the very first day that I went in the Marine Corps. The black sands, I'll never forget it. And the boys that died, I'll never forget them. We finally worked our way up to the north end of the island. Somebody said something about a, a Japanese saber down on the beach. And one of the boys said, I'm going to go down and get that saber. The rest of us said no. He climbed down that north end of the beach, and he no sooner picked it up and he got shot. There was 6,000 Marines killed on that island. Captain asked me if I thought I could do something about some of the pillboxes that we'd been trying to break through. So he gave me four Marines. I strapped on a flame floor and began going to work. Uh, in the course of four hours, I used up six flamethrowers, knocked out seven of those 
pillboxes or eliminated the enemy within them, which gave us a hole that we could get through. And for that, my Marine buddies in my outfit uh, felt me worthy of receiving the Medal of Honor. I was told by the Commandant of the Marine Corps the day after I got it, that medal does not belong to you. It belongs to all those Marines who never got to come home. All the heroes are dead. I'm not a hero. I don't want to be a hero. I want to be a Marine. And we want to thank Bert Mulligan and his family for allowing our crew to film part of his story. Thank you for your service, Bert. You indeed are a hero, and we salute you. We also say thank you to Woody Williams, a Medal of Honor recipient who just happens to be my next guest. Give a warm welcome to Herschel Woody Williams. Thank you, sir. Thank you, Woody. Thank you, Governor. It's an incredible honor to have you with us. In a split second, you made a decision that saved other lives, but risk your own in a way that is so extraordinary that our country only has one signal way to honor, and that's the Congressional Medal of Honor, which is around your neck tonight as a reminder of what real heroes have done for all of us. And thank you, sir. Your service in World War II you know, when I stop and think, you're 95 years old. Good to be alive at 95. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're not just alive, you're vibrantly alive. That's what's impressive. Uh, you may outlive the rest of us around here. <laughs> when I think about the fact that you have survived, but the amazing thing is you survived Iwo Jima. 6,000 Marines did not. Right. Do you ever stop and just say, God, why me? I keep asking that question. Why me? Yeah. When others right beside me didn't get to come home. So I asked that question. At the time, did you even think about what you were risking? Did it occur to you, I could get killed doing this? No, you really can't stop and evaluate because if you do, you're losing not only precious minutes, but you could lose the opportunity of doing something beyond what you thought you could do. Later in 1945, President Harry Truman <clears throat> put that medal around your neck in a ceremony at the White House. That must have been a pretty extraordinary moment for... Well, for a country boy from West Virginia, huh. to be able to stand nose to nose with the President of the United States, there is not more of, of a scary moment that you can think of. <laughs> you know, Woody, I was thinking that it is really something that is a great honor for the President of the United States to be able to stand next to a Marine like you who did what you did. <laughs> you, you have spent a lot of your life trying to make sure that we didn't forget these Gold Star families, the ones who lost a loved one, whose son, whose husband, whose brother did not get to come home. That is true. What was the motivating force to start the Woody Williams Medal of Honor Foundation that would honor these Gold Star families? I guess there were two things that impacted my, my mind, my memory. Just before I went into the Marine Corps, as a 19-year-old youth, I was delivering telegrams to the families who received that telegram from the War Department to tell them that their loved one was not coming home. Mm. It was a traumatic experience for a 19-year-old boy that knew nothing about war and couldn't appreciate really what sacrifice really meant. So that left an impact. Then I had a school uh, boy 
charm friend that we walked back and forth to school. We didn't have any school buses back then. They hadn't been created. Hmm. But we walked back and forth to school every day, and uh, Leonard lost his life over the Philippines as a, as a uh, nose gunner on a B-24. That impacted my life. And <clears throat> in West Virginia, uh, during the Vietnam War, the legislature decided to erect a, goal, a uh, memorial honoring 11,000 of we West Virginians who had uh, sacrificed their life in war. And that, of course, had an impact also because their families had never been recognized or honored or paid tribute or anything for their sacrifice. And they gave more than I did. Mm. So we decided that we ought to have something. And we did the very first Gold Star Families Memorial to honor the anyone related to that individual naturally grieves. And to honor the families of that individual who sacrificed his life in the armed forces. I, I wish we could spend three hours because there's more to talk about. But if you want to learn more about the Herschel Woody Williams Medal of Honor Foundation, if you want to get involved in this amazing project, and you should, it is on your screen. You can also visit its social media at HWWMOHF. I hope you will help them accomplish the mission to honor Gold Star families all over the nation. Well, my next guest is the guy that you want in your garage when you're working on a vehicle. He has been showing people how to restore and build hot rods and specialty vehicles for over two decades on television. He's also a very talented guitarist and is a huge supporter of our veterans. This evening, he brought out a little truck that he created. He calls it the Sergeant Rock to honor our veterans and current military men and women. Please welcome to the show the producer and host of Stacy David's Gears, Mr. Stacy David. <laughs> Stacy, great having you here. Great to be here. You, you yeah. make some pretty amazing things. The Sergeant Rock that we yeah. have out front tonight, <laughs> that we've had some photos of uh, here on the show. Oh, a work of art. It's not just something that is mechanical. <laughs> well, thank it's you. It's a work of art. Uh, what's the inspiration behind that? When I saw it in the field, it was like, I, I've got to do something with that. And I wanted to do a military tribute. And uh, when you look at it, I don't know if you guys had a chance to look at the tailgate on it, but the mural on the tailgate goes clear back to the Revolutionary War. And you have to look and see what is all hidden in there. And the artist that did it, it's just phenomenal. And the thing that I put on there, you'll notice there's one headstone with the scripture on it. Yeah. It says, you know, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for another. There's nobody that actually died for his brethren like an American soldier. Hmm. There's a reason for that. And it goes back to the way our country was founded on Christian principles. And so it was important to put that on the tailgate because we forget that. It is a powerful reminder. Yeah. And yes, we do forget that, don't we? Yeah. But you take what people would look at and say that's junk and then by the time you get finished with it it is a piece of art it is an automotive treasure and you've been doing that on your show for 20 years but there's something you do you try to also help the ordinary guy know how to do some stuff yeah uh, gears is a uh, how-to show it's not a reality show we don't do the reality stuff and basically the idea behind it is to teach people how to build things and how to be creative uh, we are creative people, and that used to be something that fathers taught their sons. That's something you used to learn for the Boy Scouts and this kind of thing. It's not happening now. And so we get letters in where people are like, you're the only father figure I've ever had. That's a, that's a hard letter to read. Yeah. First of all, because it's like it shows you the impact you're having. Second of all, it's like, where's the fathers? Mm. And so it's important to show guys, you know, especially young guys, how to work with their hands, how to create something, how to build something that's out of the ordinary. Because we're all unique. We want to be unique and we want to drive something unique. You know, so that's the approach on it. And the other thing that I find amazing about you is that this great artistic ability you have with mechanical things and with automobiles and trucks, but you're a, a studio musician. How do you balance uh, the music end of your life and 
this extraordinary television show and all of the things that you do. Well, I came to Nashville in a 65 Mustang fastback with two guitars and a thousand bucks. <laughs> and you heard that story before. And I was really fortunate. I, I worked at Opryland a number of years. I did a lot of sessions, worked on the road some. I was a hired gun. So I was also building cars at the same time. And I started to get known more for my cars. People were like, who's the dude with a 64 vet? Yeah. And it's like, well, that's me. It's like, the guitar player? <laughs> you know, so anyway, um, I opened a shop called The Rattle Trap, and I got to a point that I was like, I needed to take a break from the music industry. And so I started doing the shows, and now I play music for fun. But I want to say to our audience, if you've not seen Stacey David's show, Gears, or his incredible array of custom vehicles, get over to StaceyDavid.com. Now, Rick Roberts, why don't you just steer us toward what's coming up down the Huckabee Highway tonight? All right, well next, Dr. Thomas Connor celebrates our American battle monuments, then the news you'll want to share on In Case You Missed It. And later, Country Music's Tim Atwood performs a salute to our men and women in uniform. More Hunky Beat in 60 seconds. And welcome back as we're coming back to some wonderful music by Trey Corley and the Music City Connection. We are so thankful to have so many veterans and their families right here in our audience, and we're so grateful for their service. So give yourselves a big hand. Well, Trey Corley, our music director, is wearing a hat tonight that was sent in by someone who is 82 years young. Trey. Tell them what you're wearing. And tonight I'm wearing a hat in honor of Marshall University Governor. Now back in November 14th, 1970, an airplane crash took the lives of the majority of their Thundering Herd football team and coaches. And I'm wearing this hat tonight to just pay tribute to the friends, family, and faculty of Marshall University. I just wanna say thank you so much for the chance to stand with you guys. Thank you very much. And thank you, Trey. And we wanna say thank you to Frida Kimsey for sending in the hat so that we could share that with our audience. Well, hundreds of thousands of Americans have given their lives on foreign soil fighting to defend freedom. For nearly a century, a little-known federal agency has ensured that they are not forgotten by creating, maintaining cemeteries, memorials, and monuments all over the world. My next guest reveals their inspiring story in his terrific new book called War and Remembrance the story of the American Battle Monuments Commission. Would you please welcome Hillsdale College Professor of History, Dr. Thomas Connor. Well, Dr. Connor, I think it's quite appropriate that you were here, especially after having that conversation we had uh, with Woody. What inspired you to even be interested in these monuments all over the world? Because, I mean, most of us, unless we go see these monuments and, and these memorials, we probably never would think about it. Well, I wanted to tell the story. Um, it wasn't quite as simple as waking up one morning and deciding to do it, but uh, about 10 years ago, I embarked on the project. I realized it had never been done before, so I, I saw an opportunity to follow through with it. And my understanding is that General Pershing was the one who first envisioned this, is that right? But John J. Pershing, who was the uh, commander of the American Expeditionary Forces in World War I, was uh, named the first chairman. Uh, he was appointed by President Harding. And uh, he served in that position till his own death in 1948, so 25 years. And his imprint is all over the look of the cemeteries, the, the work of the agency to this day. And I think it's fair to say that General Pershing gave some of his best service to the country after he was a, a field commander through the work of this agency. Why is it so important that we have these monuments and that the commission make sure that they're kept up and, and preserved and that there's honor being perpetually paid? It's, it's the nation's ongoing way, I think, of saying thank you uh, for the, the sacrifices made by the uh, soldiers who are buried in the cemetery, but also honoring uh, the service, not just of those who died, but uh, the agency, the ABMC, is very committed to fostering remembrance 
of all those who've given military service to the country. You have written a book called War and Remembrance. It's the story of the Battle Monuments Commission, mm -hmm. but that means you've traveled all over the world. You've seen monuments in places that most of us will never, ever get to go to. So tell me, if, if our audience said, I'm gonna make one trip, I'm gonna go somewhere and see one of these places overseas, where would you recommend they go? Normandy is, is certainly the best known of all the sites, and because the, the story of what happened there, D-Day, is, is so well known. And one year, uh, I was in Normandy, and one of the students uh, just wondered out loud what it would be like if every one of the soldiers buried resting beneath one of those beautiful marble headstones could somehow just stand up and, and be seen for, you know, for the life that was cut short there, and that's part of the ongoing work of the American Battle Monuments Commission is to find out more details of the lives that these guys live. Your book is one that uh, anybody who is interested in the great sacrifice, and also the fact that our government does keep their memories alive through the Monuments Commission. It's a wonderful read, and I'm delighted to have you here. I also want to say thanks to Hillsdale College, of which you are a part. What a terrific institution of higher learning. Uh, the free course on the Constitution is just an extraordinary opportunity for any American, free of charge, to learn about our Constitution. And we're grateful for Hillsdale College and all that it represents to make America uh, really the best it can be. Dr. Well, Connor, it is a thanks joy thanks and privilege for the opportunity. to have you here. All right, well, speaking of memory, let's see if Rick Roberts still remembers what we have coming up next on the show. Yes, sir. Up next, a funny thing happened on the way to our headlines with In Case You Missed It and Huck's hero, Jerry Hauser's Healing Sculptures. Then, Tim Atwood sings to honor our veterans. All this on Huckabee. My brand new book, it's called Rare, Medium, Are Done Well, Making the Most of Your Life. It's coming out next week, and I really, and I mean I really believe you're going to love it. If I didn't think that you would, I would say so, but it's a great read. And it's all about thinking about your life, what's really important, and whether the way you're living your life is going to leave a legacy of value behind. Now, it's a perfect book for group study or just to read for yourself and reflect on how you're doing. It is not, and let me repeat, it is not a political book. Be relieved. <laughs> it's way more important than that. You can also pre-order the book from Amazon. You can also join me next Tuesday, November the 13th, for a Facebook Live book signing. That's right, we're going to do book signing on Facebook. Details at my Facebook page or at mycuckabee.com. All right. From an actual Fred Flintstone foot-powered car to a woman who's engaged to marry a ghost. We've got the news stories that will make you want to shout yabba-dabba-boo on a segment that we called In Case You Missed It. Well, you know, there's nothing more annoying than people who give away the endings of books or movies. You know that kind of person? But here's a spoiler alert. This news story is about spoilers, and it does not end well. A Russian engineer and his comrade, Welder, worked together in a lonely outpost in Antarctica. Recreation was limited to drinking and reading books. The Welder read faster and developed a real bad habit of giving away the endings of the books. Well, after too many spoilers, and maybe too many shots of vodka, the slower reading engineer grabbed a kitchen knife and stabbed the blabbermouth welder right in the heart. And if that wasn't Boris bad enough, how old are you? Do you get that? You're old if you do. Got a lot of old people here tonight. I figured that one out. Well, I should mention that they had two Russian TV channels that they could have watched, and they should have. You can't spoil a Russian TV show. I mean, the ending is always the same. The farmer falls in love with his tractor, right? 
I said, the farmer falls in love with his tractor. We may need to pass out vodka to this crowd here tonight. Ah. Well, look, I wasn't sure about this story, but I decided to take a stab at it anyway. How's that? <laughs> Turning to Florida. Yes, again, Florida seems to top our In Case You Missed It segment as a solid resource for stories. It was in Pasco County, a deputy stopped a motorist dressed as Fred Flintstone, driving a smart car that was turned into a Flintstone mobile. Amazingly, he was stopped for speeding. Really? I mean, I would think a smart car or a car propelled by Fred's feet might be able to stay within the speed limits. Apparently the driver became unruly and had to be detained. Well, what do you expect? He's a caveman. I probably maybe should tell you that this whole yabba dabba to do wasn't real. It was staged by the sheriff's department. Fred is now safely home with Wilma. Let's just hope I'm not stabbed by a drunken Russian scientist for giving away the ending of that one. Well, 30-year-old Amethyst Realm, that's her name, Amethyst Realm, has been dating spirits for over two decades ever since she left her living fiance. And I'll bet that's one happy dude right there. <laughs> now, you know what they say, once you go ghost, living guys are toast. <laughs> or something like that. I mean, when you show up for a restaurant, table for one? Oh, you think so, silly waiter. <laughs> Amthus met the ghost of her dream while on a business trip in Australia. And she told the Sun newspaper, quote, I'd not had a phantom fling for a while. And then one day, while I was walking through the bush enjoying nature, I suddenly felt this incredible energy. Apparently, the ghost of her dreams was out back in the outback. But it was definitely apparition at first sight. The ghost popped the question nine months after they first met. You wonder why he dragged his chains so long. Amthus said that her betrothed didn't go down on a knee as, quote, he doesn't have knees. <laughs> However, she said his voice was deep, sexy, and real. Gee, I always thought Casper's voice was a bit high-pitched. <laughs> well, let's hope this is no typical spectrophilia, and let's hope the happy couple really lasts, because I'd certainly hate to see Amthus get ghosted by her one true specter. Oh, I know, I can hear the boos now out there. So I'm gonna move on. Now, before we wrap things up, we've got some random pictures from the interwebs that are just too good not to share. This one over in Asia, they found new life for old commodes as planters. I guess they come pre-fertilized. And then finally, my favorite trick of getting rid of tree trimmings, appealing to hipsters. There you go free organic wood. <laughs> well, that's all the time that we can steal from your life for one week, but be thankful because we read the news so you don't have to. All right, Rick, why don't you give us your best all-natural organic promotion of what's coming up next. Coming up, hot hero Jerry Hauser helps homeless veterans through sculpting. And country music singer Tim Atwood honors America. Plus, Mike has an important word on tonight's rap. All on Huckabee. Welcome back. Every chunk of clay has a statue inside, just as every person has an amazing soul. Through sculpting, our Huck's hero this week has found a way to help veterans discover that beauty deep within. Homelessness is largely about survival which leaves no time for things like recreation, art, relationships, and of course, those are the things that make a really big difference to us as human beings. When veterans get here and they get a chance to feel safe 
and then they could take that next step of exploring an artistic talent that they didn't know they had or that was long buried 20, 30, 40 years ago. That's that kind of self-discovery that really gets us excited as staff. It's something that I enjoy, something that I haven't done in the past. I think it's important for me to keep my mind at a peaceful level. I learn a lot. It's like the most relaxing two hours of my day. Uh, Jerry's an excellent teacher because he's really patient <laughs> and uh, a lot of experience. Makes me feel real comfortable and uh, kind of inspires me to, you know, do other things. So it's like really great. Veterans will regularly tell us, I didn't know I had this in me. With more Jerry's, I think America would be a much more understanding place. Uh, but if more people could get to know, in this case, homeless individuals, um, I think that stigma would really be reduced and America would feel a lot more intimate, a lot more familiar. They shake my hand and thank me. I guess that's satisfaction enough. Not in it for the money. That doesn't mean anything to me. Well, he served in the U.S. Air Force back in the 1950s and later became a professional sculptor. He knows well the healing benefits of creating art. Please welcome our Huck's hero tonight, Jerry Hauser. Jerry, soup to have you with us. Thank you. Thank you, sir. Tell us about the transition you made from being in the Air Force to becoming a sculptor. Well, after I got out of the Air Force, uh, used GI Bill, went to college, had a corporate accounting uh, career, and retired. And I had admired uh, certain sculptors in the area of Loveland, which is the bronze capital of the United States. And I started doing workshops with some of the acclaimed sculptors and pursued a sculpting career for 20 some years. How did you decide that you wanted to bring veterans and other people maybe that needed something to do to give them a sense of purpose. When did that idea kind of go off in your head? Well, about five years ago, and there were a lot of uh, commercials for funding wounded warriors and things, but I got to thinking, you know, rather than just give money, I can uh, maybe give some talent. So I approached the VA and I said, I'd like to start a sculpture class and these guys can take what's in their head, put it through their hands, and create things. Mm. And they liked it, and I've been working predominantly with a homeless domiciliary. And uh, I think I've had all the branches, male, female, and about 150 veterans now wow. over the five years. And a lot of these people are homeless because when they got out of the military, they just didn't have the purpose and maybe the direction. And, and give me a story of somebody whose life was changed because you connected them to their artistic capacity. Well, I don't have a lot of follow-up, but the guys will tell me at the end of the session, say a PTSD homeless guy, you know, I, I just feel relaxed today mm -hmm. and it makes me feel better. I don't delve into their situation, that's for the psychiatrist. And, but the conversations that they are on the street and, but when we make these 18 inch figures, they take them with them with pride when they get a job or an apartment. And they, that's kind of satisfaction to me, but I think they get some relief or some satisfaction in doing that. I think there's no doubt about that. And you're helping them to discover who they are, not just what's in that clay, but what's inside of yes. them. Yes. I just want to say that I'm grateful for the work that Jerry <laughs> is doing to help our veterans. Maybe you'd like to know how you can support our veterans. You can visit va.gov. Jerry worked there a long, long time. And uh, maybe it's something that will inspire you to be helpful to our veterans. Jerry, thank you. You are indeed our okay. Huck's hero tonight. Thank you. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. All right, Rick Roberts, he's trying to figure out how to carve out some time for the rest of the show. Rick? Next, country music's Tim Atwood lifts our spirits in song and Mike's closing thoughts in the rap all on Huckabee.
Here in Nashville, my next guest is known as an entertainer's entertainer. A singer, piano player, he's performed over 8,500 shows at the Grand Ole Opry. He's here tonight for his first Huckabee performance, probably not his last. Please make welcome Tim Atwood. Tim, thank you for being here. You have played music with, I mean, everybody as a staff pianist at the Grand Ole Opry. And so, do you, do you, this is putting you on the spot, but is there anybody that just blew you away that you were playing for and you said, I'm playing for? Garth Brooks. Wow, I yeah. think that was kind of cool. And Carrie yeah. Underwood both, that, those both were cool. But uh, yeah, that, it was kind of a thrill. Playing Michael McDonald too was cool with Doobie Brothers, yeah. But there's a story about the bracelet that you're wearing tonight. Tell yes, and this lady was in the Air Force and her name is Stacy Britton. <laughs> And she had worn this bracelet for 26 years mm. uh, in memory of Captain William Grimm, who died in the Gulf War. So she wore it for 26 years, and she gave it to me. And she said, uh, as long as you wear this and mention Captain Grimm, his memory will never die. Mm. And so she wore it 26 years. I've had it on for two and don't plan on losing it anytime soon. Well, I, I can't wait to... Uh introduce this song to our audience. I also want to talk about uh, this wonderful CD, Tim Atwood, Live in the Dream. He's living the dream. We get to live the dream by having him on the show tonight. So Rick, why don't you tell us a little bit about the song and what we're about to do while we go get ready to play. Well, be sure to pick up your copy of I'll Stand Up and Say So from Tim Atwood's Live in the Dream CD. You can buy it at online music sellers and for Tim's concert schedule, visit timatwood.com. Now, with guest bass player Mike Huckabee, here's Tim to perform I'll Stand Up and Say So. Some others say that they have the right to burn our country's flag. The list goes on and on. Guess I'll have to say I'm tired of all this liberality. We need the backbone to stand up and say no. But it'll have to start with me. I'll tell them that I don't agree Yeah, I'm gonna let them know Cause I'll stand up and say so Tell them I believe in the Bible What it says is true And I'm thankful for the ones who died For the old red, white, and blue When they try to take my rights away I'll proudly stand and tell them no It ain't gonna Say so. On every monument in Washington, words are inscribed of God and country, things they weren't ashamed to say. Have you ever thought? The price we pay to defend our country's freedom. They can't take that away. Yes, I'll have to say I'm tired of all this liberality. We need the backbone to stand up and say no. But it'll have to start with me. Tell them that I don't agree. Yeah, I'm gonna let them know Cause I'll stand up and say so I'll tell them I believe in the Bible And what it says is true And I'm thankful for the ones who died For the old red, white, and blue When they try to take my rights away I'll proudly stand and tell them no Ain't gonna happen Cause I Stand up and say so
Bible, what it says is true. I'm thankful for the ones who died for the old red, white, and blue. When I try to take my rights away, I'll proudly stand and tell them no, it ain't gonna happen. Cause I'll stand up and say so. It ain't gonna happen. Cause I'll stand up and say so. veterans put their lives on the line so we wouldn't have to do the same for our nation. Mike has a couple of ideas for how you can say thank you for their service tonight on The Wrap. Well, before we leave you tonight, a reminder that we don't have to have Congress set aside a day on the calendar for us to show our appreciation for veterans and active duty military. Do something practical and useful. If you see someone in uniform at a restaurant, pick up their check. And when you do, be sure and give a generous tip to the server so that you honor the military while also helping to show the server that you appreciate them as well. If there's someone in your neighborhood who has a family member deployed, rake their leaves, fix a meal for them, give them a gift certificate for them to take a meal out, or just take them a big bag of groceries. And then if you've got military members or maybe their families at your church, look them in the eye, tell them you're praying for them and really mean it. And by the way, speaking of prayer, if you're called upon to lead some prayer in public, like in your church or a Bible study, never forget to mention the members of the military and their families. Now you can probably think of some ways that you can show appreciation to those who serve us and those who provide for us the very freedom that we often take for granted. But never let them ever experience the ingratitude of some of our heroes who felt that kind of ingratitude when returning from Vietnam. Look, Jane Fonda may not appreciate what they did, but by gosh, the rest of us had better never forget. God bless our veterans and God bless the United States of America. Good night, everybody. See you next week. It's just